You're listening to Small But Mighty, the Niche Lawyer Podcast, a podcast dedicated to featuring solo and small firm attorneys doing big things within a specific niche and how those niches empower them to greatness. And now here's your host, Conversations Digital founder and CEO, Megan Hartroder. Welcome to another episode of Small But Mighty, the Niche Attorney Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hargroder, and today Olivia Cummings is joining me. Olivia is an immigration lawyer based in Port St. Lucie, Florida, Um, and we just had the pleasure of working with her to build out her brand new website for her brand new firm. So welcome, Olivia. How's it going? Great. Thank you, Megan, for having me. Everything's going well. So one of the things we talked a lot about when building your website and your about page does a good job of sort of telling this story is about your parents being your inspiration. So tell me a little bit more about their leap of faith and how that helped you to accomplish your own dreams. Right. So many years ago, my parents immigrated from Jamaica to the United States to start their life here. And then they had me, of course. So they have gone through the entire immigration journey from green card upward to naturalization. And I also have other family members who have gone through the process. So my parents have pretty much fueled my passion for the practice of immigration law. So when you decided you wanted to be a lawyer, did you consider other areas or were you just naturally drawn to immigration? So... When I thought of being a lawyer, I I really didn't understand the variety of practices at the time. I I thought of it first in in middle school. It's not until I had gotten into high school and then undergrad in college that I decided definitely immigration. At that point, I understood more what my parents had to go through. That's really cool. Yeah, a lot of people choose their niche for various reasons, but I feel like this one is you're really well positioned to really know your client. So can you talk a little bit about how that comes out in your client interactions and how you're kind of able to better relate to them? Right. So just the ability to understand their unique situation, understanding their frustration and and maybe intimidation going through the process in general, having firsthand experience, watching my parents and family members and friends go through the same process. So I'm able to connect with them on a more personal level, especially when I'm representing my Caribbean clients, being that I am of Jamaican descent. So there's an ability to connect with them culturally as far as professionally when going through the process. And previously you were doing different types of work and you recently sort of went out on your own. Can you talk a little bit about the, the fear and the excitement and the, you know, the bravery that goes along with starting your own firm? So definitely leaned on God a hundred percent with, with making that move. I definitely feel that, you know, spiritually, it was the right time to move forward and, and be on my own. What I really wanted was to develop my own brand and practice immigration law the way that I wanted to practice and represent clients that I wanted to represent. So of course, at first it was very scary, but I'm in my second year now of being solo, very exciting. And so, you know, I'm I'm realizing a lot of the mistakes I've made before, you know, I'm avoiding them this time. And so I'm very happy that I did trust God in the process and, and make that step. 
So what advice would you give to other attorneys looking to go solo and maybe even specifically other women who are looking to go solo? Do you have any cautionary tales or best practices that you want to share? I think, you know, while you can't plan for everything, planning still is key. So I know that while I was working for employers in the past, I was trying to build my practice on the side. So, and you know, a lot of people think that you have to have a lot of money saved to start a business. It just depends on the, the way that you go about it. So definitely plan, pick an area of law that you are passionate about. Don't do it for the money because the money is slow in the beginning with, with any business. So you definitely have to have that passion there to keep you going. And, and just do it when you, you feel the time is right. If, if you're spiritual as well, if you feel that God is telling you to make the step, go ahead and do it. It's scary in the beginning, but you learn over time. So. I like what you said about how you don't necessarily have to have a lot of money saved up on the front end. Cause I think that's a common misconception of people just starting businesses in general. So when I started my business, I did something similar to you, right? Like I was working for other people, doing a bunch of other stuff. And like, as I, as I grew my business, I actually even gigged on the side to just kind of like try to go. So everyone's path's a little bit different, but definitely don't let not having startup capital, um, affect you because a lot of really successful, and I noticed that's more of a theme with women too. Women, I feel like are less likely to go in with startup capital, but I think we go in with a lot more grit and determination. Absolutely. I agree. So are there any cases that you recently worked on or that you're working on right now that you can share a little bit about, you know, what's, what's a day in the life look like in terms of the work that you do? Everyone's in a rush. Every client, every, <laughs> every client is pretty much in a rush. I've, I've taken on a couple of cases. One more recently, very simple. Um, what happens a lot of times is that green card holders don't pay attention to the expiration date on their green card. And so I get a lot of clients who they go in to apply for a new position and they're going through the hiring process, get accepted, and they cannot complete the process because their green card is expired, right? So they are somewhat in status, but out of status at the same time. So I recently took on a case like that. Very important that we get the application filed quickly for a green card renewal so that the individual could accept the offer of employment. Another case is a 245I adjustment of status case for a client who entered the country illegally by crossing the border. He has an approved I-130 petition based on his sibling And anyone who knows, those petitions take about 10 to 14 years to adjudicate. So he received his approval a couple of years back, and now he's ready to do the second part to adjust status. So we've run into a difficulty now trying to obtain documentation to show that he was in the country as of December 21st, 2000. Now we're in 2022. So right now we're in the process of trying to go back and get the proof to submit the application moving forward. Wow. Dang. Okay. So we got some long games going and we've got some really quick processes going. And I know you have some big work to do today, so I'm not going to keep you much longer, but I just wanted to thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I'm really excited to see what you do next. Thank you. Thank you for having me.